0: Hallelujah, praise God. Well, like Corin said, it's really good to see you here. Um, I'm. Uh, I had this the scripture I read it a, a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to just mention if you're one of those people that walk in um, uh, with with a with a heavy heart, or you have walked in with a heavy heart today. Um, I had this on my heart last a couple of weeks ago, and I want to read it again. Psalms 9, verse 9 says this: God, or God's out of the message translation, or r- paraphrase, I should say. God's a safe house for the battered. God is a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. The moment you arrive, you relax. You're never sorry you knocked. He's a safe house. And you know, we trust that Lake Haven is a safe house for you. That if you're if you're here or you're visiting here we want you to know that there's a safe house there is a haven here that haven you know long ago and some of you know that but when when the, when the church's name changed gosh probably eight years ago at least um, when the change changed from family Bible Church to Lake Haven um, I wasn't really on board with that name change and <laughs> until Lisa Massey, helped me get some perspective on it, and it was fantastic, because, uh, you know, Haven is is a harbor in many languages. It is a haven, and, and so I kind of felt, because as a missionary, I kind of felt like it was very protectionist to have the name Haven. I don't want to just be a little, you know, cozy little cuddle, or huddle that we're just going to be all huddled up here, all cozy together. I thought that is too safe. I want us to, I want us to have a bigger vision than just being cozy, And and Lisa said this to me, she said, Well, Shannon, haven't you said that a haven is a place, is is a harbor. So I said, Yes, absolutely. And so she says, Well, don't harbors, don't ships come into a harbor and then offload their heavy cargo, their burdens, and then don't they take on new cargo and then go to other parts of the world? And I said, I like that. (laughs) I really connected that. And so we trust that no matter where you are, if you're if you're a place that needs to offload some cargo some heavy burdens. This is a safe place. I want you to know, no matter wh- how, if you've never been in church before or whether you've experienced ministry before um, and you've felt hurt, I want you to know this is a safe place. I want you to know that we have great ministers sitting amongst us and um, it's a great place for you to receive true ministry for your heart. That where you can, you can find a safe place to be ministered to, but you can also be equipped for a cause that's greater than yourself. We trust that you find that, Amen, Amen. So um, today, um, I have a, a a wanted to sort of transition out of the the last series I did, um, which was called Manifest. As you know, um, I spent a few weeks establishing some things that I felt were we needed to get an unshakable foundation in in this revelation, in the certain revelation of of who Jesus was. He was the manifestation of God. He was the character and nature of God. Absolutely, clearly, exactly revealed his character and nature was made manifest in the flesh, and anything, everything he did and said, it was manifest in Jesus. And and it it is a sure foundation for us to look at because if you, when you understand that, then the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, you become this revelation of Jesus and the character of God, and you see that He is no different to the Holy Spirit, and He is no different from God the Father. He is the manifestation of how He treats us, and so it is a, it is a key, key feature, a, a, key, a key truth that we um, are grounded in because you will need that when we, when, as we move in life. You need to constantly be able to look back and look at the life of Jesus, constantly, no matter who's teaching you what. You've got to be able to, with, with absolute foundation, be able to look at the life of Jesus. When somebody says something to you or makes some kind of a claim or pulls some kind of a scripture out of the Bible and says you, tells you something about God or about God's character, you just need to say, uh-huh, and then think about that and take a good look at the life of Jesus. Yeah. Amen because He is the exact representation. So that's what we we dealt with. Um, We also looked at the fact that we went through a bunch of scriptures about how God cannot lie. He is the abiding Word. He is the living Word of God. He is the living Logos of God. He cannot lie. So nothing He ever says can, can, can change His nature. And He doesn't change, is the other thing. He's the immutability of God. God has never changed. And so... Uh, you know, we, we've, we've looked at a bunch of scriptures again that actually said that God doesn't change, and so I'm not going to rehash all of those because that was in the last series. But so what we want to do, though, is as we, as we proceed, some of that we're going to unpack a little bit because I know immediately if, if you've not been well-grounded in some of, the, 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 uh, of, of how to break down or, or how do we look at scripture and it is essential, that's why I've called this series that I'm going to be doing, Rightly Divide rightly divide. How do we rightly divide the Word of God? So, the scripture I'm going to pull out from the King James Version is 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, where this is coming from. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Amen. So, that's where it comes from, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Now, there is a there's a lot of a lot of reasons why we want to get into this. And, and so today I just want to get into a bit of a foundation for where we're going to go in, in, in upcoming weeks. So we don't want to live our lives aimlessly as we've, we've spoken just before this. We want, to, we want to live our lives with a goal in mind. We don't want to be, you don't want to get to the end of your life um, and you, like, like Corin actually meant, you don't want to get to the end of your life and not having lived for a reason, not having lived for a cause. There are too many people that do that, Christians as well. Because you see, the goal of life is not just to become a Christian. The goal of life is not to, quote-unquote, say the sinner's prayer. That is not the purpose of life. You have a grander calling that God has given you a particular gift and a particular place in this kingdom cause where you can bring your gift into the kingdom. Amen. So, so we don't want to, you know, Stephen Covey had the, you know, the, the illustration of built, you know, climbing the ladder. Again, then some people climb the ladder of life or the ladder of success or whatever you want to call it, and, and then they find out when they get to the top that it's been leaning against the wrong wall. That would suck, right, if you spend your whole life climbing the ladder of success thinking, oh, my gosh. Now, now thank God we... We don't want. We want you are welcome. You you will see as we go through that that the the, the sure foundation is that we're all completely loved, you are completely loved, and you completely accepted. But I am talking about kingdom purpose, right? So one of the reasons we need to rightly divine the word of God is so that we that we can accurately live our lives according to the God's God's word. I'm not talking about earning righteousness. I'm not talking about getting righteousness from God because by living right, and and you know I'm not I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about directing your lives on a sure foundation, living kingdom purpose. Now I did kingdom philosophy of life some time ago, and um, and, and that w- we spoke about how you know what the kingdom of what what the kingdom looks like, and I don't want to go into too much of that, but know that in the in the it, as we look at the Old Testament, that even in the Old Testament there were types and shadows. And, and we will look at types and shadows because they are super powerful to look back on. But, you know, when, when the Israelites left Egypt, was Egypt was a type of the world. When they crossed through the Red Sea, it says that was a type of baptism, water baptism. When they crossed through the Red Sea, then they were supposed to go into the promised land in short steps. They did not enter the promised land. And Hebrews 3 and 4 goes into the reasons why they didn't go into the promised land. But the promised land itself is not a type of heaven. I'm going to say that again. The, the, the promised land that when they cross over the Jordan and go, it wasn't a type of heaven. It isn't just to go to heaven. One day in the sweet by and by, that's what heaven. No, the promised land is a type of kingdom living. It is living in the benefits that God has us in the kingdom. And most of Jesus' parables, and that's where a lot of the church has misunderstood things, and we'll look at some of these. A lot of the parables are about kingdom living, they're not about getting to heaven. And when we don't understand that, then we, we try and make this all about salvation. Every parable Jesus did was just about getting saved. Are you saved or you're not saved? Are you saved or you're not saved? Are you going to go to heaven one day or aren't you going to go? No, it's about kingdom living. There are benefits to how to apply and to use and to kingdom principles to how you can receive and walk in the kingdom. But guess what? You can spend 40 years in the wilderness. You're allowed to. In fact, it is your decision. It's each of your decision whether you will spend 40 years in the wilderness or not. You don't have to experience the healing of God. You don't have to experience the abundance of God. You don't have to experience any of the promises of God because it does come up to you. And and so this is why, again, it's essential for us to rightly divide the Word of God, okay? So listen to this about uh, Timothy are in, in the instruction, that Paul wrote um, to the, "You get first and second Timothy." It is a super rich pile, a two a compilation or two, or two letters that Paul wrote to his young protege Timothy. And, and, and so there is so much fantastic advice for it that we would obviously do well to pay attention to. But in Second Timothy four verse three, um, it says this. For the time is coming, Paul's writing to Timothy, as I said, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, if you, if you see Paul's heart in this, he says this so many times to Timothy. He tells Timothy to God was, in, was entrusted him to be careful of this, to be careful of that. So he's got a lot of warnings about stuff. So he says, time is coming in these days that people, and I believe we're right there. There are tons of organized religion. There's organized, there's church people who call themselves churches that they are not. They are, have got, they've done exactly that. They Are not enduring sound teaching again. How do we know what sound teaching is? Well, that's what rightly dividing the word of God is all about. And so, I, I trust that by the end of this, see, this series, you're going to have a foundation on how to rightly divide the word of God because I'm <laughs> my role is twofold as a pastor. Yes, I'm a, I'm I, I am supposed to, I'm God ordained. God-ordained, whether you call me pastor or not, I don't care about the title, but I know God placed me here to help you, equip you to, be, to do the work of the ministry. And that part, there is a part of me being able to teach, and there is a part of you being able to receive, right? There is a place that, I'm supposed, that I am supposed to, that I will stand, there is a place that the Scripture talks about that I will have to give account for what I teach you. But there's also a place that you're going to stand account for what you hear. And, and I'm, not talking, I'm not talking heaven and hell. So just for in case you think I'm thinking God's going to... I'm not talking about, you know, when you receive Jesus, you are as saved as you'll ever be going to be. You're as perfect as you're ever going to be. You're as righteous as you're ever going to be. That's not the question, okay? So I want to be clear over there. So in 2 Timothy 2, I'm reading verse 16. He's this is so obviously still Paul. All of these scriptures are Paul writing to Timothy. So avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. So what I'm saying, what I want to show you in the scripture is that. Paul is warning against Hymenaeus. Now, he, was spoken, he spoke about Hymenaeus in the first chapter, in the first book as well. He was the one of those that Paul handed over his flesh to Satan. And he said he was the being very deceitful. And so he was saying, listen, these people have swerved from sound teaching. They've swerved from the truth. And so he says, don't. So I'm going back to verse 16. He says, avoid irreverent babble, it says in the ESV. For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. So, we, we we see a lot of that, I think, on Facebook. Quite honestly, there's a lot of irreverent babble. There's a lot of opinion out there. I am sick of opinion. When you know how to rightly divide the word of God, you will see that you do not have the right to an opinion if you call Jesus Lord. I have, do not have the right to opinion because you can rightly divide the Word of God and see what God's opinion is, what His truth is. It's clear. But then we have these arguments. Well, I don't see it that way. I don't think, I don't think this. And we basically sit in judgment on God's Word, and we think that we're the king of our castle and that we can judge God, and then we just don't do anything with the Word of God. Right? We don't, we don't live our lives. We don't submit to it because we basically are saying, Jesus, I don't really care about what you say. I'm just going to live my life however I want to live it. It's just so con- We make these excuses. Oh, it's so confusing. We just never know what God's will is. It's easy to say things like that. Just clump it up and, oh, it's just so confusing. I don't know. No, it's not confusing. If you have a Bible and you do, you live in America and we have Bibles everywhere, you can, and it is your responsibility, by the way. You could leave church and you can go and bury yourself in a cave, but you still are of responsibility. Whether you come to church or not. We have an opportunity if we want to work together here to actually usher in the return of the Lord Jesus. We have we have a God calling on us as a local body here in Eustace, Tavares, Mount Dora, this central Florida, Florida. We have a calling that we can absolutely work together. Amen? But what I'm saying what I'm saying is that is that if we do not seriously take on our responsibility and just saying, oh, well, you know what? I, I, it is my responsibility to hear what God says. Now, I'm not talking burdensome stuff here, people. I'm not saying that. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not talking about earning salvation. I'm going to say this a few times. But I'm also not saying that if you do everything right, that you're exempt from persecution that you exempt from hard times. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus said that you can live your Christian life, hear the words that I'm saying, and have your house flattened at a storm. Now, I don't know how many of you have had the storms of life flatten your life. If you were honest, they can wipe you out, and I've been there. No fun to live life when you build up your little house and then the storms of life come and you feel it's get wiped out. And the storms of life come and you feel that you get wiped up. The storms of life come and you feel like you get wiped out. Well, there's a solution to that. You and I get to live life. We can choose to live life that we do not get flattened by the storms of life. Storms, as you've heard me say before, rest assured are coming your way. Whether you confess them or don't confess them or don't think or bury your head in the sand, whether it's political or not political, whatever the case, storms are coming. Do you want to be prepared or don't you is the question you have to ask yourself. Do I want to be prepared for the storms of life? Do I want to know how that I can have no fear of bad news as it says in the Psalms? Firmly trusting in the Lord. Because you can. You can experience the peace of God and all the promises that are yes and amen. I can experience the emotional wholeness of resting. That when the storms of life come, I ain't so scared. I can sleep. I still, I still sleep well in my bed. That is the promise of God for you. But it doesn't come without you choosing to rightly divide the Word of God to choose what you're going to believe. I like what <laughs> Andrew Womack says that. You've heard of, if you've heard of Andrew Womack any, he will say, most Christians don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You, listen to, you just need to listen to Christians. I mean, Jesus says from the heart, what, what comes in your heart is going to fly out of your mind. You just listen to most Christians and it doesn't take long to hear what's coming out of their heart or what's in their heart. Again, I'm not saying that they're evil, they're bad, they're wicked. I'm just, I'm just saying what is in your heart. You've heard me give copious amounts of messages about the seed of God's Word and planting it and growing it and all of those things. What You are the gardener of your heart. You are the gardener of whether you will put something in your heart, let it grow, let it bear fruit. You are the gardener. Now, that is, that is, that is responsibility and that is growing and maturing in God. Now you can say I don't want to, you know, because of course you've got you've got the range of people, right? In any in any given human situation, you've got the little babies that stick anything in their mouths, and you know you get the toddlers that are sticking forks in the wall sockets, you know, or you're getting whatever you, you're getting you're getting the range of the, the little rebellious kids that don't want to know, no, or they're the saying that, that you get the whole range of the gamut of 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 maturity. But if we're wanting to grow up, the, when we stick to truth, truth is, truth is the channel that is going to give us the best life possible. Jesus' desire is that you and I experience life and have it to the full. And man, it's super abundant. It's over-the-top, exciting life. That is God's desire for you. But you have to, as he says in Matthew 11, choose to do it my way. Come to me all day you are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest come you know i am meek and lowly at heart come come learn of me right it takes us abandoning our own way and coming to learn of him a lot of Je- a lot of people are burdened and they've come to jesus but when it comes to that i'm going to learn from him peace hmm, eh, i've got i've got other things to do and unfortunately, again, Jesus isn't going to love you any less, less, he, because he is faithful. He cannot be unfaithful. He will be faithful to you forever, because he is faithful. He cannot deny it himself. The Scripture says, "He will love you always." The question is not to be loved, but if you want to walk this road of of abundant life, if you want to experience abundant life, the ball is up. To, the ball is in your court. The ball is up to you. To, to receive what he has and follow the advice that he has. In any case, 1 Timothy 6, verse 20, 20 uh, he says this, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble, there is it again, and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For, prof- um, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Interesting, interesting terminology. For by professing it, falsely, false, what's called falsely called knowledge, some have swerved from the faith. Some have swerved from the faith. So if you think about that for just a moment, you'll see it's quite possible for you to swerve from the faith. So he says, guard the deposit. You've got to guard. And you've heard us say so many times before, when we talk about the heart, it says, above all else, guard your heart. What is your heart? Your heart is where is the repository. It's the place that's the soil that you plant the seed in. It's the, it's the inner you. It's the core. It's not your spirit. It's the inner you. And, and it's that place that you've got to guard above all else. Guard it more than your bank accounts. Guard it more than all the money you have. Guard it more than your children. Yes. I love my kids, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for my physical life. But here it says, above all else. I didn't say that. God says that. Guard your heart above all else. Now, I've gone to that scripture, and I don't even have it listed, but it's in Proverbs 4, as you know. Um, so, so here Timothy, uh, Paul writing to Timothy says, listen, God, listen, guard what has been given to you. Protect it. Um, then in verse, uh, earlier in that same chapter, he says, teach and urge these things in verse 2. If anyone teaches a different doctrine that does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, And the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy, or controversy, as you say here, and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. Okay, and then in verse uh, chapter, uh, sorry, First Timothy one five to seven, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they so confidently, or which they make confident assertions. There's that, there's that word, the, I, I looked at the word swerving, or, or, or they're swerving from the truth, they, they're getting distracted, they're getting offline. So Paul is writing to Timothy again, and I'm going to say that, but to the book of Timothy, a lot of what he's, he's establishing some foundations for Timothy, and saying, Timothy, God, what you have, be careful, these are important things, lay hold of these things, Amen. I know it's real quiet in here. Do you want to go through? But in um, any case, so, so that is one of the reasons is that we because we want to have a life, a Christian life that is abundant and experience life to the full. That is my desire for me, you, my family, your families is to experience that. But I'm telling you, I've walked in this long enough. I have got enough track records of in my own life and many other people I've walked alongside over the years to know that you can have a miserable life. You can, and you can you can be sit there and you can point your finger at God and blame him all day long. You can you can assume a victim mentality. And blame everybody else because it's your father's fault and it's your mother's fault, or because this happened to you when you were a child, or that happened. I'm not making minimizing these things. I'm just saying that God's word is true. Yes. He has a way for you to experience yes. life. You, Amen. Yes. And so lay holding, lay hold of this truth that God has for you is the best life possible. Yes. Yes. That's what God wants wants for you. If you're not assured of that, then we need to go back to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, <laughs> He gave His life for you. He, ha- he wants everything for you. Rest assured, there is nothing your Father, your heavenly Father doesn't want that's absolutely good for you. Amen? Nothing. But you see, we're even deceived on that because we don't even rightly divide the Word of God. We think that God is the great fun spoiler in the sky anything that's fun, he's created some kind of rule that's going to pop my little fun bubble and tell me that I can't do it. Jim Richards used to say, he says, you know, one of the greatest motivations the human nature knows is we are, we are, we are designed by God to gravitate towards pleasure and away from pain. Psychologists will say sometimes the avoidance of pain is greater than the, the attraction of pleasure. But if you create God to be the great fun spoiler, guess where you're going to gravitate away from? God. Because you think that bringing God in on your life and in God into your marriage, God into your anything, into your children's life, God, it doesn't matter where you bring God in, you think, oh, here he comes. The great fun spoiler is here. <laughs> you're going to think that. You're going to believe that. And so guess what? When you want to have a little bit of fun, I'm so desperate to have some fun you're going to say, oh, let me just avoid God because I can't bring him into the room. He is the great big wet blanket of the sky. But yet that is, abs- that is absolutely a lie. When we understand that God is, <laughs> he is, he is the absolute source of true and lasting pleasure. I'm going to say that. God designed you and I to live in pleasure. I'm going to say it again pleasure is God's idea. Pleasure is God's idea. All of it is God's idea. Everything that Satan has corrupted and, and made us so that we, are, we can't have and enjoy or, or we corrupt whatever his desire is, we, we have spoiled it and, and made a, a bad version of what God's original intention is. But if we choose to see God as good, because, yeah, it's great to say, oh, God is good, yes, all the time, I can quote it. But do you really believe that He is, right? So anyhow, so so this is the the rightly dividing piece. So um, we want to to learn how to rightly divide the Word of God so that that we can understand these things, that we can embrace God. And, and, And when you see that God is the source of true pleasure, true and lasting pleasure, the best marriage that you can have, the best everything you can have, the best, the most, pleasure, the most purposeful life where you wake up in the morning, no matter, and again, no matter what you're doing, it could be ministry, it could be, uh, you know, in business, whatever it is, you know, it, you could, you, the most pleasure you can have is doing it God's way. You're waking up in the morning with a, I can't wait for the day. That should be our morning. I'm loved by my Father. I, I can wake up, you can wake up with, a, when you can truly, the first thing, the conscious thoughts before your eyes even open is that, oh, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. And feel it. Because guess what happens when you feel the love of God that way? Your spouse feels it. Your children feel it. The people near you feel it. Even the drivers on the road feel it next to you. They may think you're a little crazy driving down the road with a big smile on your face, looking like a Cheshire cat, you know, but they may like, Officer, I think he's on crack or something. I'm not sure. Like, you know, he, somebody smiled at me. I didn't even do anything, you know. I pulled in front of him and then hit my brakes, and he just smiled and waved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know you know there's yeah we can have it good people okay so um i'm going to pull this the same scripture i started with second timothy 2 verse 15 uh, i want to break it down out of the amplified um version so here it says study and and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to god approved tested by trial a workman who has no cause to be ashamed correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now, the ESV says rightly handling the word of truth over there. Um, uh, NIV is similar. It says correctly handles the word of truth. Darby, the the Darby version, um, which we, we don't have on our computer back there, it says, I, I, "It says strive diligently to present thyself, approved to God, a workman that has not to be ashamed, cutting in a straight line the word of truth, cutting in a straight line the word of truth." I love today's Bibles, man. They've got all these versions. I've got like they so we're really blessed. We are to see this, but. Um, but it's interesting because the, in, in the King James version, right there, that very first word that says "study to show yourself approved." Now, I don't know if um, you remember this, but well, there's a there's a, is a version that well, we don't also don't have it, but I want to read it out here. The New Century Version says it this: "Make every effort to give yourself to God as the kind of person that He will accept. Be a worker." who is not ashamed and he uses the true teaching in the right way. There's a lot of translations that put it this way. Now, how many have you have you heard this scripture before? Probably everybody. Study to show yourself approved. And the way that I've just said it over here is the typical way that it's taught. That listen, guys, buckle down. If you don't study or you've got to study to prove to God that he will accept you, you are not approved until you study. And when you've studied enough, then he's going to approve you. That is the typical way that Scripture is read. It is a typical way. It's often translated um, in a lot of these versions, like this new century. Be the kind of person that he will accept. Excuse me. Who do you think he doesn't accept, Mr. New Century version? You see, because when you study to show yourself approved, you will see that that's not exactly what he says at all. Because in Ephesians 1 verse 6, it says that I am accepted in the Beloved. To the praise of His glorious grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In other words, my acceptance from God has never come from me. It's because I'm in Christ. So, hold on a second. I've got to go back and look at the Scripture that says, hold on a second. But, Cheney, you're reading two Scriptures. Which one do I believe? I believe the one that talks about me being in Christ. It talks about my inheritance. Because as, it, as one of the great filters that we will always go back to is the finished work of the cross. And you have said you've, what, who we are in Christ. I am everything I have deserved and earned will be what Jesus has earned and deserved, not what I have earned and deserved. So that becomes an unshakable foundation I go back to and say, I am accepted in the beloved. Not because one random translation says, be the kind of person that God might accept. Do you see? It leaves you wondering, oh my gosh, have I studied? Have I studied enough? When is enough? When will I be accepted? Today, if I spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes, three hours, how much study is enough to be accepted? When do I get accepted? When does God finally give me the green acceptance stamp or the little gold acceptance star? Did they do that in America? When, you, when we were kids, your teacher would approve and they would, if you had done something, they would give you a little gold star and stick it to your forehead. Does that ever happen here? <laughs> Literally, that's what we did. I mean, but in any case, so, so it, it's interesting because that word study is actually not even in there. If you read the, 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 the word study, it's got nothing to do. In fact, it's the only time that word is ever used is the word study. It's to. It's actually a word that's. It's called. It's diligence. Um, let me read it out of the Strong's. Spaudazo. It's to use speed, to make effort, to be prompt and earnest, to be diligent, um, ha, um, to be uh, to have diligent endeavor and to labor. And one time it's used as, in this verse is used the word study. Now a lot of translations will say that some do use the word study, others do not use it. It says make every effort, be diligent. And then they go on to to show yourself approved. Now, okay, to show who? Because we've been turbid, and I certainly understood this for years. Who are you going to show yourself? Are you going to who do you do you, you see? This is not to show God anything. God knows who you are. He's, there's nothing he doesn't know. You've got to study, you've got to make, well, you've got to you've got to be diligent. Make every effort, he says, to show. You, to show yourself that you're approved unto God. You are the one that needs to know that you're approved unto God. Do you know how many believers believe that they're approved? Not many. <laughs> yeah, except for you here. I know that you all, you all Haven people know that we're approved. Yeah, but, but you see, it's, it's, he, we are accepted in the Beloved. I like this in the Amplified version. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 6 out of the Amplified. So that we might be um, to the praise and the commendation of His glorious grace, favor, and mercy, which He so freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. His glorious grace that He so freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Uh, in, in the Darby translation, an old one, it also says, it says this, wherein he has taken us into the favor of the beloved. Wow. Do you know that you have as much favor as Jesus? I'm going to say that again. You have been brought into as much favor. You are as accepted as Jesus. You are as favored as Jesus. Because we are and have everything in him. And that's what Ephesians 1, 6. So when you, when you make every effort, that's what it's talking. And he says, a workman that need not be ashamed. Yeah, so here's the, the, the term workman. There is a work. There is a, there is a effort. There is effort here. He's, saying, he's talking about the word. It might not be studied, but it's make every effort. Be diligent. Apply yourself. Apply yourself to know this, because it is going to take effort. Yeah. Here at Lake Haven, we try and get that truth established. We've done, you know, discipleship group, our D group. We go into a, a bunch of this. They go into the foundations of faith. You will to get you grounded in the truths, to get you absolutely grounded, so that you know when the storms of life come that there is no doubt in your mind, because you're going to say, "I'm favored. This wasn't of God." You see, how you know that your heart is not established is when something goes awry in your life. There's a death. There's destruction. There's hurt. There's pain, and you think God did it, or God allowed it. If your first thoughts are either God did this, God hasn't done it, or that the devil did it, or no, well, that God allowed the devil to do it, I should say, then you are not grounded. I don't care how many discipleship certificates you have on your wall. Jesus said, come to me and learn of me. When you learn of him and you get your heart grounded in these, and I've taught again copious amounts of time, how we can get our heart grounded and how it takes time. And if you give your heart just this much ground, I mean, if you give the seed this much soil of your heart, it's not going to last long. The storms of life are going to kill that sucker all the seed that you planted is going to be worthless. You have to, you, those principles you've heard me teach are foundations for us growing up in the Lord, right? But you should, if you want to know those and you apply those truths and say, okay, Lord, thank you. I, I receive the seed of your word. I, I thank you. And I'm going to be diligent here. I'm going to go and study I'm going to pull out my scripture. I'm going to diligently apply myself to, to read, to hear that I am accepted in you. Again, everything God gives you is good news, people. The gospel is good news. This is not bad news. He's, he's talking about you. He's not giving you 10 lists to be a better Christian. Don't hear that. If you're hearing that in my voice, then you're mistaken. You're, putting, you're applying the wrong filter. I'm not saying it's 10, ten steps to making God accept you. You are accepted. This is this is about applying yourself to believe that you are accepted. To knowing that you are already accepted. There's a big difference. One is that you still believe you're not accepted and you're blaming God for not accepting you. The one is like, "Hold on a second. Okay, so the penny has now dropped. I am actually accepted. God didn't change. I changed. My heart changed." My belief system changed to believe that I am accepted. Do you see the difference? Yes. It makes all the difference in the world. My heart is reassured, and this is the same for every seed, every incorruptible seed of the truth of God's word. And we've got, we touched on that before. But there is promises for every area that we need. We need to receive it. Okay, I don't want to go into that. So then, it, but in, back to Second Timothy two, our, our root scripture. So it says that that we we were that that um, I'm going to read it in the back in the amplified um, study and be eager to do your or, and do your utmost. That's the diligence space to present yourself to God approved. You are approved by God, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed. I want to uh, has no cause to be ashamed. Guilt and shame are killer emotions to carry with you. I say killer emotions. They are are the most heavy burdens for us to carry with us. Christians seem to feel, and we were talking about this the other day, I've done it so much in my life. I love to carry, beat myself up for something or other. Guilt and shame is a terrible thing to bear. But when we study and find out that I'm approved, I find out that I don't need to be ashamed. Not because I've studied, but because my study has revealed to me that he has taken my shame. How do I know that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Romans 9. Why don't we start there in verse 32. And we'll come back to it because he starts with, in verse 32, it says, why? And I don't want to go to the preceding verse because it'll get me way distracted and excited. I'll have to come back. Because they did not pursue it by faith as if it was based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, Behold, this is prophecy in Isaiah, I believe, and Psalms. um, Behold, I am laying in Zion, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, that whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. When you believe, when you trust in Jesus, when you receive him, you will never be ashamed. You never have to carry shame. When you've understood the other parts of the gospel that we teach so much over here, the power of the gospel, that guilt, do you know that many of you, many Christians, not you, Many people are carrying sickness in their body because they are under guilt and shame. They haven't heard the fact that Jesus has taken and redeemed me and ransomed me from every guilt. Every sin has been paid for. The debt has been settled. But they're carrying guilt. Even psychologists today, modern non-Jesus psychologists, have linked guilt and shame to sickness. Carrying it, beating yourself up. Not every, not every sickness is the devil. I like to blame him for as much as I possibly can. I don't have a problem for that. But a lot of it is just because I have not accepted some of the truth. The devil is having a party somewhere in Mexico. You know there's only one devil, right? I mean, one Satan. He's got some demons, but don't worry, they're outnumbered two to one. So if you're seeing if you if you if you're a devil conscious person or a demon conscious person I hope you're seeing the two angels that are beating him up. Because if you're only ever seeing demons, there's a problem. You're a little bit more demon conscious than you are angel conscious. But he says you'll never be put to shame. When you know this, when you when you've diligently applied yourself to rightly dividing the word of God as we're going to see here then you will know that you're not ashamed. You don't have to carry guilt. Amen? That's a powerful truth. We don't have to carry guilt. So back to my scripture. No cause to be ashamed. Correctly, um, 2 Timothy 2.15 in the Amplified, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. You see... So, this is the foundation for this series. Because, how do we then rightly divide the Word of God? What does that mean? We have to unpack that. Because there are some sure things, and you've heard some of them before in different contexts. And, like I've used my Hoberman sphere so often, and I'll use it again here because it's just so good to me. Ah, Everything is connected. Except there's more dimensions in God than just three dimensions, right? This is a three-dimensional thing. But everything is connected. So when we see it, so you've heard me teach on some of these things, and some of these things you're going to hear, again, from a slightly different connected point, okay? So um, rightly dividing the Word of God, is going. we're going to un- pull, pull out some of the things and, and that, that you have heard, little bits and pieces that you've heard before. But the idea is that at the end of this series, you will be able to be equipped to study, to go into the Word of God for yourself and rightly divide it without being confused. Because I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been there where I am so confused. That was the motive I had actually You may have heard me say, but that was the motive I went to Bible school. When I was, after I finished the army, I was like, I did, I had, did, I never felt like I would become a preacher, ever. I, I just, I loved Jesus, and I had a desire to understand what the heck was happening, because I was so confused. The church that I grew up in, lovely people, some of them, some of the churches I went to, my dad moved around a lot. Some of the churches were really great people. I, I was just confused because it didn't mean flip-flop between Old and New Testament. Pull out the Scripture. This is this. Here's God killing people. Here's people. Jesus being nice to people. I was thoroughly confused. And so, I was like, so what that does is that paralyzes you. And then you just say, oh, well, I just don't understand. And you shrug your shoulders and you say, well, I'll just let the preacher tell me something. And then I'll decide if I'll listen to him or not. <laughs> right? You can't do that. Not if you want to have abundant life. Not if you want to experience that God, that God wants it. Truth is the only thing. Jesus said, remember John 8, 31, 32, to his disciples, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, my students. You are st- my students. What does a student do? Diligent to study. If you abide in my word. That doesn't say if you visit my word once a week. It says, if you live in my word, live, that doesn't, okay, now the extreme that everybody wants to jump into, because we love the extreme, I'm not saying you ride your, you read your Bible in the car, texting and driving is not safe beside, or whatever, reading it, you can't, it's not about that, it's about, it's about having a life prioritized by principle, by, by the truths that you're learning, right? So he says, so Jesus said, he said, if you abide in my word. Then you will know truth and truth will set you free. Truth will bring freedom, freedom, liberty. You want to experience the peace of God that passes understanding? Do you want to ex- experience the love of God that passes understanding? All of these, all of the parts come because we're going to be diligent and we know how to divide. Do we know, understand? Okay, that makes sense. So I want to touch on some, we can't, I mean, we could do that forever, this series forever, and I know Mark would love it if I did that, you know, <laughs> part 45, 54, 64, no, but, but we've got to get some key, some th- the key things that we can to rightly divide the Word of God, amen? So we'll be unpacking that in, in the future, in future, future teaching, okay? Let's just, let's um, stop here and, and let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, that he is the teacher of the church. He's my teacher. He's our teacher, that he lives inside of us. He dwells in us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you don't come and sit in my heart when I pray to you. But Lord, thank you that as we pray in the Spirit, learn to be sensitive and follow the shepherd. We can hear what you're saying to the church. Father, I thank you that we have hearts that are hearts of students. Ask yourself that question, in fact Am I a disciple or am I just a church visitor? And if you are, that's okay. If you're a church visitor, I want you to know that you are the most welcome church visitor. I hope we love you. But what is it that you want? Would you dare trust God with all of your heart, all of your life? Would you prioritize? Would you dare trust Him is really that good that He wants the best for you in every area? He wants the best for your finances, for your health, for your marriage, for your children. He wants the best possible for you. Well, there's only one thing then. You have to follow his way. If that's your choice, you've got to choose and say, surrender your opinion and say, Lord, I'm prepared to surrender my opinion and choose the humility of following your way. This is a journey together, my brothers and sisters, and we need one another. And understanding that, know that your brothers and sisters, not Shannon or the pastor or is the source of all information or no this this takes a team this takes a a body and that's why God created this thing called church that's why church is so essential I want to encourage you make a decision to plug in with safe relationships get connected with safe relationships Jesus teaches us the word of God teaches us that the companion of wise people will become wise, but the companion of fools will come and suffer harm. Choose wisely who you will be hanging out with. Choose wisely who you will share time with. Choose wisely. But where is a body here that is, I am just so aware, I just sense there is so many. There is much ministry that happens in Lake Haven here that is not from here. Right now, in this time, at the end of the service, there is time that hap- there is so much ministry that happens between members, learning how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, learning learning that the gifts of the Spirit aren't just for healing. They are words of wisdom. They are words of wisdom for your business. There are words of there are words of uh, uh, or, or these. Knowledge that you need to know, supernatural knowledge that the body can give you. That will help you make decisions with your children, with their schooling, with your family members. People that are saved, with the Starbucks lady, Walmart lady, whoever it is. That we are people of the kingdom. We are salt and light. So, Father, we commit to that. We, I just thank you for these precious brothers and sisters. I know your heart, Father, a little bit. I see of your heart. Thank you for the great love that you have for these brothers and sisters and those watching online. I just thank you, Lord, that they are reassured of your unconditional love. And Lord, we just—if uh, if anybody needs prayer here for anything, I want you to know, please. Stay behind as we close the service and come to our prayer ministers, please. We, As you know, we have such phenomenal prayer ministers. If you're online, know that we want to pray for you, and you just need to text the word prayer to our text in church number 352 441 3016. Just text the word prayer, and uh, we'll be in touch to pray with you, and one of our prayer ministers will connect. But I'm telling you, these prayer ministers, it's not just a little, a little, uh, uh, coined prayer that they're going to pray. They're going to hear God and help you. Amen? Amen. If you, do, if you do not know Jesus, please do the same thing. This is where it starts. We have a booklet that we want to share with you. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, I can't stress enough how important it is. Same thing. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen and Amen.